There we go. Okay. So now I'll record myself. Anyway. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, we're going to be talking about confession this morning. We, um, so uh, a man goes to see a doctor with a broken arm. Uh, the doctor asks the man, are you okay? Uh, and the man says, I'm fine. It, it only hurts when I laugh. And so the doctor says, okay, don't laugh. Sorry, um, I, tell my, <laughs> I tell my kids, you know, you've got a pastor and a, and a dad, so my jokes don't get any better. Um, so, but we've spent the last couple of weeks going through the lamenting psalms. You know, lamenting means, you know, grief verbalized, right? We've been really grappling with what types of lament there are, what, what types of grief that we go through, and it's all, um, it's been mainly kind of external, right? Like, this is, a, this is a terrible place to live, I'm in a bad situation, you know, my body's fighting me, all these things. Um, and uh, we've kind of like determined that it's it's good and it's not it's good and it's okay to declare that to God, to lament. And that's what lament means, right? To declare the to declare your grief. Uh, and then um, the psalms have given us, the psalms that we've been studying have been giving us a way to pray through that, because on the one hand we we we've seen a pattern where those laments will. Um, declare the truth of my situation, and then they will declare the truth of God into my situation. So we, to God, we say, this is my situation, God. Not that he's unaware, but it's, it's that verbalization which is important. And then we immediately declare the truth of God in that situation. And that's, those two, how they work together, is, is, one of, is what we've been learning through these psalms. So today we're talking about confession, and really, how do you pray when you fail? When you're the cause of the lament, right? It's maybe a, a little bit more distant to talk about, you know, like, I'm sick and, you know, God, help me through this. But now, now I've totally blown it. Now how do I pray? Um, because we fail. You know, trying to follow Jesus, trying to figure out this thing out. Um, you're going to fail. You're going to blow it. We're just not very good at being human. You're going to make a, a last-minute decision uh, that you regret and you didn't think about beforehand. You're going to come across moments where, that you knew it, it was wrong beforehand. You knew it was wrong when you were doing it. You knew it was wrong after. And yet you did it anyway, right? So how do, how do you process and pray through experiences of, of real failure? Um, we fail God. We fail other people. We fail ourselves. How do you, how do you, how do you work through that? Uh, and not just come out the other side of it completely broken and just stuck, right? Frozen, unable to move, just waiting for it to happen again. How do we instead, and this is what the psalm talks about, how do we instead um, experience confession in a way that leads to joy, leads to betterness, right? Leads to enablement, not, a sh not shame, Confession that ends with not only me praising God, but others praising God. And that's, that's where the psalm really is going to take us. So what, um, what if at the end of that confession uh, we're stronger? We're not tempted by that anymore. So having more joy and more confidence in the one who's carrying you through that confession, right, God... Because when I say the word confession, um, we can think of remorse and shame and just 
it's hard to confess. Um, something that like wounds our, our, our pride, admitting we're wrong. But we really see in this prayer that confession is essential to the Christian life. Continual confession. Not just that one time, you know, save me now, God, but I've blown it again. And that confession leads to a life of joy, freedom, confidence. That's, that's what we're talking about. So, let's go ahead and take a look uh, at what we have in Psalm 51. It says, uh, To the choir master, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him, after he had gone to Bathsheba, Having, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, uh, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise, for you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Uh, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you this morning and just offer it to you, Lord. We just pray, Lord, you would teach us to confess. Lord, we want, the, we want uh, our relationship with you to be right, and we want, uh, we want the blessings that you, you promise, Lord, that you offer, Lord, and we just come to you with ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, so in the title, um, you know, it talks about, we get kind of the context of this psalm, when it was written, um, and it's really the only place that the context is given, which is sort of interesting. Um, David is confessing his, to God his failure uh, with Bathsheba. Um, so what we can glean from that is what we have here is a model for confession that applies to us and not just specific to David's situation. Okay, so this, as we go through this, we're going to take a look at this as God is writing it, as, as we are, God is writing it to us to teach us to confess. So, bringing up to speed, 
to give you the, some of the background, David has come to the full realization of his failure. In fact, there's a really kind of an immediacy in these words, right? It's very, it almost feels like a, a stream of thought when, when you read it, um, stream of consciousness. Uh, he's, David is an adulterer, a liar, and a murderer when he's writing this. He's done these things. Uh, he saw, uh, so for the backstory, David saw the wife of one of his generals, brought her over, slept with her, lied about it, tried to trick the dude into sleeping with his wife, get him drunk. He didn't want to. So finally he sent him to the front lines and got him killed. So liar, adulterer, murderer. Um, so this cascade of failures was, 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 was crushing him and he kept lying more and more to kind of like cover it up. Uh, and, and he was unable to. This was not something that he could fix internally. So... Um, this is finally that relief from that loathing and despair, offering it to God, admitting to God the truth, and asking God in to that situation. So in uh, 1 to 3, uh, verses 1 through 3, we see, um, we see really uh, how complete David realized his failure was because there are three words for sin in Hebrew, and all three are here. They all mean slightly different things. I mean, if there were, if there were ten words for sin, David would probably put them all here, I think. Um, so the first one, uh, it says, you know, uh, he's asking God to blot out my transgressions. Now, transgressions, that, uh, that's, that's willful violation. That's when you have transgressed. You've pushed past the line. That's um, when you, you pull up to the stoplight, you look, in, you look around, nobody's around, and you just drive right through. Right? You say, this... This is not going to stop me. Uh, for um, whatever reason, you know what's right. But you, what you want is more important than what's right. That's a transgression. Um, so he's coming to God and says, I've willfully disobeyed you. And that, that, that might be where you're at. I've willfully disobeyed you. I need you to block this out. I need you to wipe it from my record. Um, the other, the next one is iniquity. It says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Now, iniquity is different than transgression. It's going astray from the path. It's um, drifting. So if you call it like sort of unintentional. It can be intentional, but it can also be unintentional, like drifting off of the path. Um, so the, the analogy here is that life is, life is this journey that we're on, and the path is where you need to go to get where you're going. Um, and this means to kind of like get away from that. So these, uh, this is, I think especially more recently for me personally, this has been kind of like something that I've been, I've been praying through. Just like, where have, I, where have I blown it and not known it? Where have I totally messed up and, and, and messed up maybe for a long time, years, and, and not known it? Like, I need to confess that to God. And because um, that, honestly, I, I feel like that one hurts a lot. Because then you realize, oh, I've been hurting the people I love and not even knowing it. But hopefully, um, and you know, hopefully there's somebody in your life that can speak that to you. And say, hey, hey, you've been blowing it this way. And then your reaction is to be, okay, I'm going to pray about that. I need to lift this up to God. Like, I've drifted from this. I've, I've, I've been hurting. I've been doing whatever it is without meaning to. I need to offer that. So that's a, that's a type of sin. Um, so he asks God to, to wash that away. 
Take that away. Otherwise you get trapped in this forever fixation on what you've done and not know it. Um, and then the, the final one is cleanse me from my sin. Uh, which um, sin is failing to, have a, to live a life according to God's design. Um, God has set up a perfect target, right? Sin is really an archery turn where you, you're pulling it back, you're letting it go, and you're missing the target, right? Um, so we have a purpose. You have a purpose in this life. And uh, we, we can fail to live up to that purpose. That's really kind of when we decide what is good, and that's what we're going to do. We've moved the target. It's not God's target, it's our target. Now I'm shooting for this thing, right? Um, Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short. Again, that archery term of... Um, so this is something that we all need to confess to God that we're wrong about. Uh, so in the face of any and all kinds of failure, we need to confess it to God. Uh, when we fail, the only option is to throw ourselves desperately uh, and needingly at the feet of a loving God. So kind of like to wrap that up. Like we're failures. We really are. There's lots of ways we fail. But God is good and loving and cares about us. Um, and that's, what, um, that's what's called out here, right? Uh, in, in verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. Um, C.S. Lewis, who's... Um, I think probably put a little too too much on C.S. Lewis, but uh, I really enjoy some of the things he says. In um, is a Christian author, um, very famous, uh, wrote Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, he he wrote a Problem with Pain, and in it he talks about how come the reasons he was an atheist. Like why did he? Because he was originally an atheist who, who converted to Christianity, and. Um, he said that he, he looked around the world and saw how terrible it was. And he said that, that means if there is a God, there, there's really only three options. God is indifferent and doesn't care about how bad things are, right? We, we always get that question. If God is there, why do bad things happen to good people? So he was grappling with that question. So God is indifferent and doesn't care about what happens to you. Or God is powerless. He cares, but he can't do anything about it. Or third, which really is hard, God is evil and enjoys causing this pain. So that was, that was the question that you're, you're faced with when you're, when you're looking at this, saying, like, why does, how do, how do we get into this world where, where, where bad things are happening to, to, to what should be good people? Well, thankfully, Lewis came to the conclusion that it, he's got the question backwards. The question is, how does anything good happen in this world? in this world, because that's the question we need to ask. He was um, looking at, he saw all the good things that the, the church was doing, all the good things that were happening in the world in spite of all the bad, and he said, that has to come from a God. And that has to come from a God who cares, it's not indifferent, God who's powerful, is not impotent, and God who is good, not evil. So that is the God that we confess to. That is the God that we can go to as why our confession is powerful and that's why um, something like screaming into a pillow is, might make you feel better about how terrible things are, how you've screwed up, but that's just temporary, right? Or, um, you know, 
not taking it to God and trying to find another route for this, um, it, is, it is those things. It's, 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 it's powerless. It's temporary. It's a band-aid. But when we can take our confessions to God, he can actually, he can and will promise to change us. So in continuing in verse 4, it says, Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So a common definition of sin is not doing what hurts anyone else, right? I think we've probably all heard this. We're like, oh, well, you know, if I just live my life and I don't hurt anyone else, I'm all good. But I think it's an insufficient definition. Yes, sin is hurtful. We agree with that. But it's not the limit of what sin is, right? We look at that and we say, because uh, sometimes hurting people, hurting is the right thing to do. I'll give you an example. Um, doctors are supposed to do no harm. You know, it doesn't say don't hurt anyone. It says do no harm, right? Those are two different things. Um, if you break your wrist and go into the ER, the first thing they're gonna do is break your wrist again. I know, I've broken my wrist three times, which says I'm a klutz and an expert on broken wrists. <laughs> but, um, but my wrists work today because the doctors fixed it, right? They broke my wrist the right way so it would heal the right way so that I could use my wrists. So that's where an example of where hurting is actually the right thing. Um, Another definition, you know, also, uh, you know, that definition eliminates what about secret sins, sins of the heart, where I'm, I'm thinking bad things, right? Um, where, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I'm, I'm angry and I'm going to, you know, or I'm lusting or whatever it is that's going on in my heart. Like, is, if, you, if you say it's just not hurting anyone else, all that stuff that goes on in your heart is just it's bad. It's, Jesus, you know, says if you hate someone or lust after a woman, you've committed murder and adultery. You've done the act. In fact, We've studied brains. We're at this point in, 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 in modernity that we can study brains and we can see that just thinking the act is the same thing for the brain as doing the act. Like if you move your hands, you think about moving your hands. If you think about it and you don't have a hand, it's still the same thing. Your brain is still doing it, right? So that, that reality has to sink in, right? That, that sin goes deep. And this goes all the way back to, to the Garden of Eden. This is like sin 101, right? Um, the, the, in the Garden of Eden, Adam, uh, Eve's there, and the serpent says, hey, you know, eat this, and, um, and you'll, you'll be like God, you'll know good and evil. What was, what was on offer there, what was being offered to them, was the ability to say, no, God, you don't know what's right. I'm moving the target here. I get to decide what's right. Not you. And, 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 that's, and that's sin. And, that, and since all of sin is rooted in that moving of that target, all of sin is moving that over to, uh, to what I say is right and denying what God says is right, all sin is against God. It can impact other people. It can be, you know, I can hurt you as a sin, and I need to confess that to you. I can hate you as a sin. I can confess that to you, but I I absolutely have to go to God with it because it affects, um, it is me telling, denying who God is. Um, so David 
says, uh, you know, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. He's not, he wasn't saying I'm an illegitimate. He was basically like Lady Gaga. I was born this way, right? I've got no control over this. I am limited by who I am, trapped in who I am. And the only way out of this trap is going back to the beginning, being made brand new from the inside out by God. All sin needs to be confessed to God because all sin denies who he is. And you know what? God wants to redeem us. In verse 6, it says, Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach wisdom in the secret heart. God wants to fix us, which is the great thing, right? Um, this isn't just shouting out to the universe so I feel better. This is shouting out to God and saying, Fix me. I don't want to be here ever again. Um, God takes joy in our honest confession, uh, further joy in fixing us. And this is all based on faith. Uh, of faith rightly recognizes that God is loving and merciful and able to wipe out our failures. There's a, a famous painting uh, on top of the um, Sistine Chapel. I'm going to talk a lot about this. For some reason, I was thinking about Michelangelo. So anyways, uh, on the top of the Sistine Chapel, uh, there's this painting of Adam and, and God, right? And we see the pictures. God is reaching down to Adam. Nice beard. God is reaching down to Adam with, the, with, the, um, with his finger fully outstretched. And, and I always felt weird about that until I realized, um, you look at it, Adam's reaching back, but Adam's got his finger like this. He's like, yeah, whatever. You know, like, I'm, this is as far as I'm going to reach. You, you look at it, you're like, that, that outstretched hand, right? God is, I, I'm, it's not the Bible, but I just like such a wonderful picture. Of, like God has reached out his hand. He wants to reach out. Reach down and fix us. And confession, you know, like, that's like, it's got to be more than that, right? It's like, I'm reaching out as best I can. I can't reach you. We need God to reach down. But like that, um, that expression of um, God doing all the work to restore us and us unable to do the work to restore ourselves, right? We will remain trapped. We need to confess these things to God. We need to go before him. We need to offer ourselves and let him fix us. Because we aren't going to surprise God with our confession. He knows everything we've done. He knows the, our inward hearts and thoughts. He knows every sin that we've done. So confessing to him doesn't tell him something new. Um, he's aware of all the atoms in the universe, and he's aware of your heart. Confession allows us to stop lying to ourselves about it's okay. right? Confession lets us Go to God and say, it's not okay, God, and I can't fix it. Make it better. So the first thing that we see God redeeming here is our relationship with him. In 7, it says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now, hyssop, um, this is a reference to the Old Testament sacrifices. What it was is basically like a brushy kind of a branch that they would take. They would dip it in the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on, on the person. And what that signified um, was now that person is allowed to come into the sanctuary, into, into, the, into the temple, into the presence of God, right? Now that you've been sprinkled with this blood. Now David is saying, God, you have to be the one to sprinkle me with blood. You have to be the one that declares me clean so that we can have a relationship. Um, Isaiah, it's, this, this mirrors a lot uh, what we see in, in Isaiah 
6, it says, uh, well, when faced with God and this amazing sight of like smoke and fire and, and angels and heaven, he's got this vision going on of heaven. And, um, and then he, he realizes like, whoa, uh, do I, I, I don't know if I belong here, right? He's, in verse, um, in, in chapter 6, he says, and I said, woe is me, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so what happens immediately next is an angel comes down and touches his lips and cleanses him. He says, no, 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 you belong here. I will clean you. So we need God to cleanse us, to declare us clean so we can draw near to him. The barrier of sin, the man-made barrier of sin that we keep propping up in our lives, we need to offer it to God. He needs to remove it through the power of the, his son, Jesus Christ, that barrier is removed. So, in uh, continuing in 8, it says, let me hear the joy, let me hear joy and gladness, and let, let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. So, David, we, we can be crushed by our, by, our, by our sin, just like I said, unable to move. Like he says, my bones are so crushed, I'm broken. You need to, you need to relieve that. Um, and only God can. We can try to fill it with things. We can try to get rid of this pressure. We have like these pressure valves. We're like, Shh, I'm going to let out this pressure, and I'm going to feel better about myself. I'm going to feel better about my situation. You know, like sometimes you reach that point, like I'm just so frustrated with today. All I'm going to do is, you know, I'm going to go play video games. Or I'm going to go get a beer. I'm going to go get a whatever. Whatever it is, you insert thing in here to make you feel better about your day or feel better about yourself. And um, all these empty things when really what we need is to go before God and say, only you can make it better. I've screwed it up. Um, so we confess to God and he replaces that, that, that pressure, that crush. He lifts it up and gives us joy. Psalm 30 says, you have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness. So God replaces that with, with joy, like I said. So it's not just, I want to feel better about myself, God. It's, I want a better life, right? And so that's what's on offer here. Um, don't stop at just, just the feelings, right? Go deep. And then I want to be excited. I want to, I want to, I want to be I want to enjoy this thing. So until, until now, uh, in this scriptures, the voice, the, uh, we're going to hit verse 10 here, and it says, and it changes from, you know, remove these, remove these, remove these. Now it's like restore, regenerate, you know, uh, build up the positive things in my life. So there's, there's a scene, um, uh, there's a scene in, this just reminded me of this, there's a scene in Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go there. Um, so there's a scene in the cartoon Winnie the Pooh. I grew up watching. I love it. Uh, and uh, there's, there's a scene where Tigger, who's the little uh, stuffed animal tiger, he, he jumps up a tree, and he's up in the tree, and then he gets stuck. And then Rabbit, who does not like that Tigger jumps, um, says, we'll save you, but, you know, I'm paraphrasing, we'll save you, but you can't jump anymore. You can't bounce anymore. And... So then they're like, oh, okay. And then, you know, the narrator turns the book and he slides down the letters. It's a great, it's a great picture. But uh, Tigger gets to the bottom. He's like, yay, I'm saved. And then they, the rabbit says, no, you can't bounce anymore. And so then Tigger kind of 
okay, well, that, that was his, that's his person. That's who Tigger is. Tigger bounces, right? And so, like, now he, he can't. So now he's like, I've been saved, but to what? To not bounce. And so then he, he just walks off, right? Sullen. And then, then all of the friends who are there, you know, Rue and, and Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, they're all like, I miss the bouncy Tigger, right? And finally, Rabbit says, yeah, I miss him too. And then without skipping a beat, he gets tackled by Tigger. <laughs> and then he's, Tigger says, I can bounce again. He's all jumping around. And then he gets rapidly to bounce. He gets everybody else to bounce, right? So like that, um, that's where confession leads, like turning that mourning, that sadness, that crush, that pressure into excitement, into bouncing. Um, so we see that in verse 10. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Replace the dead parts that are here. Right? Don't just jumpstart them. Rip them out and put new ones in. Because I need, I want to bounce. I want to, uh, I want to be, I want the full life that you offer, that you have an offer. Um, all right, another movie reference. Um, if you've ever seen the movie The Matrix, best movie of all time. Uh, see me after if you disagree. Um, anyways, in, in, the, in The Matrix, there's this, one of my favorite scenes uh, is uh, when they're, they're taking Neo to see Morpheus. And uh, they're, they're driving in the car, and Neo's like, let me out. I don't want anything to do with this, right? And uh, so they stop the car, it's pouring down raining, he opens the door, and then Trinity reaches over and says, Neo, stop. You, you don't want to go there. And he says, why? Why don't I, why don't I want to go there? And, uh, and she says, because you know that road, right? You know exactly where it leads. You've been down it before. right? Sin is just like that. We know where that road leads, this pain, this pressure, this, 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 this struggling, this, stri- this, this broken, ah, all these terrible things. Um, so... What we need is really is that temptation removed. Like, we don't even want to go down that road. Like, we look there and we're like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going down there. And that's what that replacing of that heart does. That means that I no longer want to be there. Like, it's, it's not interesting to me in the least. Psalms 1 begins with a picture of this, right? It says, blessed um, is the person who delights in God's law, Right? Um, so, and blessed just kind of means oh how happy is another way to translate it but really um, in, in, in verse 12 it kind of like talks about uh, restore to me let me uh, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit Psalms 31 2 talks about um, 1 and 2 says blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose, in whose spirit there is no deceit. So like, if you think about this, um, another way to think about it is like, blessed is, the, is, is, that, is that highway billboard you see, right, with uh, the, 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 the good life. You know, it's got the, the, the six-pack of beer, the six-pack of abs, you know, the six, whatever, uh, a lot of sixes. But um, the... You know, that might not be my or your idea of the ideal life. That's what the world is trying to sell us. You know, my, 
having, having kids, mine is, of course, you know, just that my kids would grow up loving Jesus. I wouldn't mind six-pack abs. That'd be great, too. Um, but, you know, whatever your billboard is right now, trust me that God has a better one. I couldn't even imagine where my life was. My life would be here right now, just what God has done through me and carried me through to here. And I think you all have the same, a similar story. Um, God wants to bless you. And at the center of that blessing is continual and open confession before God, honesty between you and God. The confidence that, in, that we can live forgiven lives is empowering. I, don't know, I no longer have to walk up and be ashamed. You know, what, what, what holds you guys back? What holds me back from sharing, sharing the gospel? Oftentimes it's my own shame and fear, right? How about if, apart from that, like, what if, what if like, we could throw up there my, my internet browsing history and I could say, like, look, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed for whatever it is, I'm forgiven. Or my thought life, I'm ashamed for what it is. I am forgiven. I have given it to God, right? What if, what if all that was laid bare? What if we were just honest with each other and said, you know what, I failed. And um, I, I, I just, I've given it to God. Now let's talk about how good he is. Because obviously I'm not good, but I'm not good apart from God. So 13 says, uh, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. So, um, the other side of it, right? The other side of confession is praise and joy and all the stuff we've been talking about so far, bouncing uh, like all those things, that's the life that God wants to give you. He doesn't want to just slam you so you feel bad and push you down. He wants to lift up all that pressure. In uh, 16 says, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So God loves that brokenness. God loves that continual open heart for him to work in. That's what, he, that's what we can offer him. That's something we can bring to the table and say, like, you know, I'm reaching up to you, God. This is my heart. Um, in uh, Colossians, it says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach um, before him. So Jesus has done the work to present you before a holy and perfect God. Um, in 1501, uh, Michelangelo was commissioned to finish a project that had been abandoned for 40 years. A slab of roughed out marble that every artist that had come to that slab of roughed out marble had said, this project is impossible and had left it. Um, In fact, we've analyzed this particular piece of marble scientifically, whatever scientific analysis of marble can do, and we've decided, yes, this, this marble sucks. It's terrible marble. But on that marble, in two years of chipping away 
the imperfections, working delicately, making sure that not to do the wrong thing right. Michelangelo was able to create the David, which is like one of the, it's probably the most famous statue that we know about, Michelangelo's David. Um, and um, uh, when, uh, so God wants to work on us in that way. God wants to reveal his art in us. God wants to chip away at these things and we need to offer them to him. And that's what confession is doing. Um, and Second uh, Corinthians uh, five seventeen. Uh, you want to turn with me there? That'll be in the New Testament. It'll be Second Corinthians five seventeen. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making, this, God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This, this is available, right? This is available and present for us. This confession, this good life, these blessings, uh, it's available today. God has done the work. Confess to him. Offer yourself to him and say, God, I'm broken and failing. And then step, in, step forward into joy. Step forward into the, into the exciting blessings of whatever God has for you. So if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God wants to offer that to you today. Um, that good life to remove the pressures and because you know, we all know we fail. We all do. God wants to fix us. And he's the right artist to do it. So we're going to have some uh, prayer available uh, up front. Uh, if, um, if you would, um, during our time of worship, if you would like to pray, that's available. Um, but I, and I would just encourage you... Uh, Go before God with whatever it is, whether if it's something you've willfully done, if it's something that you've accidentally done, if it's something that you know, you've told God, no, I know the right way, offer it all to him and say, God, fix me and make it right. Okay, let's go before God. Dear Lord, I just want to uh, just lift up this morning to you, Lord. We lift up ourselves to you, Lord. We are broken. We fail. We need you. You are good, caring, loving, powerful, mighty, and just... All we need is you, Lord. Nothing else can, can fix us or fill that gap. So we just lift ourselves up to you and just pray for brokenness, openness. In Jesus' name, amen.